Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Communication Mixed Down. The show that takes a critical look at contemporary media. And explores the way we use communication to make sense of the world around us. From social media to citizen journalism. To the logo on the front of your favourite T-shirt. It's all part of the Communication Mixdown. Each week, Thursday, 6 to 6.30. Communication Mixdown. Cranking up. Right here on 3CR. Reggae Cowboys. It's a song called Tell the Truth, Tell the Truth. And uh, the truth is we're having a few communication issues tonight, a few gremlins in the works. This is Communication Mixdown. I'm John Langer. Our show was supposed to be all about the truth, and it is about the truth. And I'll tell you the truth. The truth is there's problems in the studio. Nonetheless, we're going to continue on with our topic tonight, which is the crisis in journalism. And I don't have to tell you that journalism is going through a major crisis. It could be seen as an existential crisis of identity and survival. And I'm talking here about what we think of as public interest journalism, that is investigative, in-depth reporting that needs time, determination, and most of all, money to make it happen and pay journalist workers. Someone who's been watching and commenting on this crisis is Johan Lindberg. He's worked as a print and broadcast journalist and as a reporter, producer, presenter, foreign correspondent, and news editor. And currently he's teaching in the journalism program at Monash University. I spoke to Johan Lindberg by phone earlier this week. When you first heard the news about the massive cuts of 125 editorial staff from Fairfax Media, and they publish, of course, The Age, the Sydney Morning Herald, the Australian Financial Review, what was your first personal, let's call it your gut reaction, and then in terms of your critical understanding about the whole enterprise of in-depth public interest journalism? What was your, your response in that, re- in that regard? Well, to me, the latest cuts at Fairfax was really sort of a breaking point because we've had a number of um, cuts and redundancy rounds before, and this latest round really felt like, and I got quite a few, um, I know quite a few Fairfax um, reporters and editors and so on, and I know from speaking to them that they just couldn't cut anymore. 
to me, these latest cuts really, it's shooting yourself in both feet really because Fairfax, by doing these cuts, uh, are really undermining their own business model. And, and, and the Fairfax business model, up until now at least, has been to set itself as, um, apart from you know, other um, parts of the media landscape and attempting to, pr to produce more in-depth journalism, more analysis, more, in more investigative reporting and so on. And in order to do that credibly, you really need to have staff and resources and bums on seats. So that was my initial thought. You know, they just can't make these cuts because they're not credible anymore. And uh, in terms of your, I guess, the broader understanding of, of uh, in-depth journalism, investigative journalism, what do you think is going on? I mean, really, are, are we in the process at this point? And I, I've heard this discussed before. We're, we're, it's not just a crisis of journalism. It's a crisis of democracy. It's a crisis of governance and how those things actually work together. Mm. Well, it's really important, I think, to understand here that, that journalism uh, is not the first industry that's been going through huge transitions and changes in the last, 15 years. I mean, it's only one in a row of industries that are severely um, impacted and disrupted by, you know, the, the sort of the digitization that we are now in the middle of. And yes, it is, it is hard and it's painful, but it's still necessary to go through these transitions. I suppose what sets journalism apart from, for instance, car manufacturing and other industries that have gone through disruptions is that it does have a direct connection to governance and democracy, whereas uh, other industries that have gone through big changes perhaps don't have that direct connection. And this is why we're actually now seeing, finally, uh, the Australian government waking up to um, the fact that, you know, we, we, we really need to have a serious discussion about um, what should be done with journalism in Australia. And I understand that other industries perhaps look at this uh, with a bit of envy because they might feel, well, why didn't we have this same discussion? But journalism does sit, have, a, have a specific um, task in society, and that task is to hold the powerful to account. And in order to do that effectively, it needs to be independent. So it's the independence issue that is uh, the problem here. And clearly, the market can't carry investigative reporting in the way it has done since the 1950s. And I, I've said in my um, writings lately that it's that um, period from the 1950s up until, say, early 2000s probably was an anomaly. You know, the profit margins within um, the big media companies was absurd. It was between 20 to 25 percent. It just wasn't sustainable. So these changes would have to come in some shape or form. They were just sped up, I think, by um, the disruption to the business model. What you're saying, really, I, I think this is a really important point that you're making. Historically, the relationship between journalism and the democratic, what we think of as a democratic process, is absolutely central to the way we think of the way our culture and our society is organized. Yeah, it is, and 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 I can I can understand. I didn't say that in my latest piece here, but um, I think in in. In coming pieces, I will probably, uh, because I felt uh, the Fairfax situation was quite acute and that needs to be sort of dealt with and sorted first and then we need to go on and it's going to be really terrific with this, this flagged Senate inquiry 
into you know the funding of journalism. Um, I think it is um, supposed to report in December, so I will certainly put in a submission, and our association, research association, will as well. And in in this discussion, it's going to be really important that Fairfax and others that are you know seeking support from um, public funding, perhaps, and so on, they will have to be much, much better at engaging with the audience. It just won't do in the future that they're so withdrawn that they have this um, high above gatekeeping function. It just won't work. I, I can give you one concrete example. I, I did an analysis of the, of the Finkelstein inquiry into um, Australian media um, the tw- that reported in 2012, and only one out of all the owners and editors that made submissions to this inquiry discussed the trust, um, the public's trust in journalism, even though, even though in the white paper preceding the inquiry, uh, the owners and editors had been asked to discuss this specifically, and they were so arrogant that none of them mm-hmm. did. And I think there is a lot of humble pie to be eaten by legacy and mainstream media in the lead-up to this inquiry. It just won't do that they will refuse to engage and sit, and sit aside the way they have. So uh, if they want mm. public support, if they want support from other parts of society, they need to engage more, I think. And you feel historically that they, they have, have been, to use a, a current phrase, a current term, they've been living in a kind of bubble, their own, their yeah. own, own bubble, bubble of their own making. Yeah, they absolutely have. And, and there, there are, of course, you know, clear historical explanations for this why that's been possible because before um, the web and before online publishing, the, the entry to actually publish, uh, the, the sort of costs were so enormous, you know. In order, you had to, have, um, to buy a printing press to run mm-hmm. a newspaper was very expensive. In order to be a broadcaster, you had to buy, you know, an, um, a, a radio license or a TV license and you had to buy a transmitter. Then all the gear was really expensive. All that changed maybe eight to ten years ago when we truly got um when we truly got the tools to self-publish in all formats online so those entry levels which created this bubble and in a way almost oligopoly i would say only a few big operators that is now changing and to be perfectly frank part of the old business model too and and i i really love the old papers of record you know i i I love that they were meaty and big and, and so on but to be perfectly honest, when was the last time I read, you know, The Age or the Sydney Morning Herald from cover to cover? That was a long time ago. I go for my special interest stuff, and that's what I read. So those, I mean, they still call The Saturday Age the book. Mm. <laughs> they, you know, it's almost 100,000 words. It's just too big, and that needed to change too, I think. The crisis in journalism and, and the business model you're discussing is not specific to Australia. It's, it's a global crisis. Have you got a comment about, more broadly, uh, the global situation? Are the same kinds of things happening elsewhere and are the same kinds of disintegrations taking place and, and the same sorts of thinking taking place? Absolutely. This is a, a, this is a truly global phenomenon and it, it, it does manifest itself in different ways. Though. So if we take the... I mean, the U.S. was where, you know, the old newspapers started dying first and, and most quickly. But if we look at other places like India, for instance, as the Indian literacy rate is growing, hard copy newspapers are doing extremely well in India. <laughs> and they're growing, um, in a, a, they're 
growing at a crazy rate and they've got huge circulation. So even mm. though even though in the, in the sort of OECD countries, in the mature liberal democracies, uh, hard copy newspapers are, are sort of dying, if you look at other places, um, they're not dying, but it's shifting there as well. And there is quite a bit of thinking done already. I think I've um, pointed to the examples of Scandinavia and, and France, where uh, the state and governments have al- already have um, support systems in place to make sure that we don't get what we call one paper towns, you know. So that pluralism and having um, multiple voices reporting is so important that it's actually seen as a democratic uh, uh, part of the, the democratic fabric. So there are, you know, tax incentive and tax um, cuts for publishers. Uh, um, there's, no, there's no sort of GST on publishing online and such things. There's so much we can do to make publishing life so much easier. These are some of the solutions that you've you've alluded to. Uh, just give us a rundown. You've you've suggested three three possibilities. That's one of them. So there there are the incentives, the the subsidies, uh, a couple of other ones that you've mentioned as well. Something to do with the ABC. And tell us a bit yeah. a bit about that. So I mean, the ABC is is a no brainer. That's the most obvious one, you know. And and. Not only, I mean, Australia has got a special responsibility here because if you look at, if you look at the, if you sort of look at the number and count up the number of properly funded public broadcasters across the globe, and when I say properly funded, I'm talking about, you know, the ABC has got usually got a, um, a sort of an annual budget at around one billion dollars, and that's that's at least, you know, sort of properly funded. But we can't keep we can't keep cutting back on ABC and, and saying you know you should do this or you should do that. It needs to be independent and needs to have enough money to do what it should do. And one way of defining what the ABC should do is that it needs to look at um, the other part, the sort of commercially driven journalism. What is the the market journalism doing, and what isn't it doing? And that's where the ABC comes in. So the ABC should mainly do what the mainstream is not doing right so to keep funding abc properly that's an absolute no-brainer and because there's only seven or eight across the globe we have an absolute responsibility in australia to keep funding abc because that's a repository to carry in-depth and investigative journalism across the transition so that's one given one the other one um that's been uh, talked about quite a bit is of course altruistic funding so essentially getting rich people to fund, you know, startups. Now, in, in Australia, that's quite hard because we don't have the strong U.S. US uh, tradition of wealthy individuals, you know, chipping in. We've had a few examples um, uh, where there has been... Well, I think we have one or two examples of where that has been the case, but we sort of need more than that for, for that option to work. I'm not sure it's going to be very viable in Australia. We can't rely too much on it. But there's certainly a need to start a discussion um, uh, regarding this alternative as well. And that was Johan Lindbergh. And uh, he is the Deputy Head of Journalism and the Education Program at Monash University. And as you heard, he was talking there about the massive changes in journalism culture and possible future funding models for public interest journalism. I have to apologize for some technical hitches that we've had uh, today. We're going to get back to our second interview guest 
next week, hopefully, and we're going to continue our discussion of the crisis in journalism, both in Australia and globally. And if you're following this, there is a Senate inquiry going on right now into what they're calling public interest journalism. And I think this has been a response particularly to Fairfax Media deciding that it was going to make redundant 125 of its editorial staff, which is amounts to about a quarter of its staff. Now, you may or may not like The Age, The Sydney Morning Herald, The Australian Financial Review. You might think they are essentially bourgeois, capitalist media outlets, and they probably are. But I'll tell you what, they do some good investigative journalism, and if they weren't doing it, there would be nobody doing it. So we want to talk about that again, and we'll do that next week. This has been Communication Mixdown.